Hello and welcome to episode 26 of Track at Track. Our aim is to shine a light on the UK running club scene. This week on Track, we have a full roundup of a big couple of weeks in UK running, including the Mid Cheshire 5K, the Trafford BMC Grand Prix, and British results from the US. We have reaction from the two winners of the Mid Cheshire 5K, Molly Williams and Alex Brown, who kindly agreed to sit down with us for a short chat following their wins. And we also have an in-depth interview with 2.30 marathon runner, Natasha Cochran. This week, I'm joined by Kat Hutchinson and now 14.41 5K man, George Beardmore. How are you doing, guys? Yeah, good. Yeah, good, thank you. Well, there's only one place to start, really. George, you raced at the BMC at Trafford on Saturday the 8th. And you came away with a, a big PB uh, after a really strong performance. Um, as I said in the intro, you ran 14.41. How did it go? Talk us through the race. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, I had to run 15 flat, I think twice last year, or 15.02. But yeah, PB was 15 flat. I think my training form going into it probably suggested I was in more like 14.30 sort of shape. But I think, just, I, think I said to you afterwards to to think I could completely skip a level and go straight from like never breaking 15 to like breaking 14, 30 was probably a bit naive because obviously it was only September I'd run 15 flat. So kind of as soon as I crossed the line, I was maybe a little bit disappointed, but as soon as I realised it was a 19 second PB, the, the circumstances as well, I, I had, well, I, I went to the front, it was pretty windy. I went to the front from about five laps to go, um, and spent well so i spent too long early on first half of the race on the outside just kind of running further than i need to and then second half of the race was running off the front kind of on a quite windy day so that probably means there's definitely more time in there but yeah in terms of how the race went i was pleased with it like i say i'm a little bit annoyed that early on i ran too far and was on the outside but the way i ran the second half of the race I was pretty pleased with like the race slowed as, as soon as the pacemaker dropped out and there was just no point, particularly me. I've got, I'm not someone who finishes fast. So there was just no point letting the race slow and kind of, I'd never make the time up in the end. So no one went to the front. So I thought kind of I had to, and I knew then the the four people who stuck, stuck with me, I knew they'd all come storming past me on my last lap. It was inevitable, but I, yeah, that I think, I probably would have come fifth out of that group regardless whether we've been running a 15 minute pace or 1440 pace just because that's kind of I'm not I'm not a fast finisher so yeah it was much better to just run as fast as I could for those last five laps rather than kind of try and rely on a kick that probably wouldn't be there. Yeah very good well it was really good to watch it was obviously live streamed and yeah to see you sort of take it on and go to the front when the pacemaker dropped out was really impressive there was no point in you just letting it slip. BMCs, you always hope for, um, you're basically in a, a race that's maybe a bit too good for you and there's a lot of, lot of runners better, you in, better than you in the race and you can then just kind of sit in the whole way and just get dragged, dragged around to a fast time. Like that's how I ran my 3K PB last year was just kind of just getting dragged around from start to finish and hopefully I'll be able to get into a race like that later this year and like, yeah an even faster time will come but I think in that race in those circumstances that was definitely the the best way for me to run the fastest time possible was to take it on in the, the last yeah 
last couple of K. But I think, yeah, my biggest regret is running too far in the first, or running around outside for, for 2K. And it, it was a scrappy race. It was a scrappy start. I think mainly because no one's raced for so long. No one knows what form they're in. So people probably went with the pace that shouldn't have done. And that just, when they start to slow down in front of you, you then got to put surges in to get around them. And that made it a bit of a mess. But yeah, all things considered, yeah, pretty good starts the season. And it really made me laugh on the commentary when they said George Beardmore's hit the front and he's he's got a 15.08 track PB, a uh, bit of a surprise. And I thought, I'm glad George can't hear the commentary. because. <laughs> <laughs> It's really so, yeah, we don't expect to see him up there. But you showed them anyway. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and then I think they said something like, when when everyone inevitably came past me, I think they said it looks like George has mistimed it. And it was like, I didn't, yeah. well, I didn't mistime anything because that's the way, I mean, I didn't, I wasn't racing to win because that's not really, I, I go to BMCs for a PB, not, not a win. And I, I knew that was going to happen. But um, yeah, I mean, I think, like I say, like my, yeah, my track PB was only 15.08, like I said. And so, yeah, to have sort of be expected to jump like 30, 40 seconds was probably a bit ambitious. And like you can't really break 14.30 before you break 15. So it was nice to tick the sub-15 box and then hopefully, yeah, just the way the race panned out. I know there's like a lot more time in there, which is good. I've definitely taken a lot of positives from it and, yeah, I know from like the sessions I've been doing and the, the people in the group sessions I've been running with that, yeah, I, I am more than capable of 14.30. So, George, you've got a 3,000 at Milton Keynes Saturday, the 22nd, and then you've got a 5,000 after that, have you? Yeah, yeah, BMC Sports City. Um, I mean, so that's a, it's a, the Etihad, the, the night of the Champions League final. So, obviously, the Champions League final isn't the Etihad, but I think there could be quite a few people gathering if Man City would but um yeah that's 5,000 meters hopefully in a I think now I've got the PB on my power of 10 as well I might be able to get into a slightly faster race because that's how race organizers will seed it so yeah yeah looking forward to it perfect great stuff well done mate congratulations on the PB um, thank you Kat you raced since we last spoke as well no PB this time but it was the second fixture of the Hereford 5k series how did your race go yeah, so I think I approached it a little half-heartedly. I felt like I've been been away for the weekend and eaten way too much. So um wasn't really feeling like it was going to be a great race. And I had the kids with me, which is always a bit of a distraction. And I had absolutely no nerves before the race, which is never a good sign. Um, <laughs> but I was fairly pleased with how it went in the end. It was around 2015, so it was... Very, very average, but it, that was about what I deserved. A still negative split it, which is good. And when is the third and final fixture? That's the 2nd of June. And yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that goes a lot better. Nice to have some races to recap, but quite a few results to get through. So um, as I'm sure listeners have seen, there's been races popping up all over the place. So what we're going to do today, we're going to try and run through perhaps some of the highlights of the results that have happened over the last couple of weeks. There have been races on the track at Aldershot, Harrow, Trafford, Medway and Maidstone, Cambridge, and also in America at the Kansas Qualifier and in California. On the road, we've seen the Mid-Cheshire 5K, which we will talk about, the Speedway 10K, Pitstop 10K, 5Ks at Press World, 
and Hereford and also at the Battersea Park under the lights 5k. So we're going to focus on the, the BMC at Trafford that George raced in. We're going to focus on the Mid Cheshire 5k. Just before we do that, though, I'm just going to try and round up some of the best from the rest. And we'll start with Jack Rowe, who won the Battersea Park 5k under the lights. And he pretty much ran solo from the start to win that race in 13.35. So an amazing run from Jack Rowe there of Aldershot, Farnham and District. Um, there were some quick times across the board, really. 39 men broke 15 minutes. The fastest woman on the night was Naomi Tashimowitz of Shaftesbury Barnet. And she beat her road 5K PB to, to win in 16.15, although she does have a sub-16 track PB. At the Speedway 10K, Omar Ahmed of Birchfield and Jenny Nesbitt of Cardiff took the wins there. Omar ran 29.18 and Jenny ran 33.20. According to her Instagram, Jenny really wasn't happy with her time or her performance, but it was enough to take the win and continue a pretty good win streak of hers of late. Second and third place for the men were Grant Sheldon and Josh Grace, and second and third for the women were Chloe Richardson and Philippa Williams. Top 11 men all went under 30 minutes. So again, highlighting the Speedway 10K as a really fast race and a good place to, to go quickly. Adam Hickey of Southend uh, was three seconds off his PB when he won the Whitstable 10K in 29.56. So a, a good sub 30 um, run from Adam Hickey there. George, and I'll perhaps bring you in here, was the USATF Golden Games. Um, so this event... Yep or meet took place in California and there were quite a few Brits or took part in this. What were the sort of standout results and performances from the Brits involved in this one for you? I think the standout race from a British point of view was the women's 800 because um, for Gemma Riki, Laura Muir, Adele Tracy, uh, first, second and fourth. Uh, Gemma Riki ran 158.2. Two seven, Laura Muir one fifty eight point four six, and Adele Tracy one fifty nine point five, and that's all of all of them are under the Olympic qualifying time, which is one fifty nine point seven. Uh, yeah, very impressive race actually, and like Laura Muir looked very good down the home straight for someone that's more of a kind of a fifteen or five k runner. So her, she finished really fast and nearly caught Gemma Riki and um, Adele Tracy finished well as well to get inside the Olympic standards. So that was very impressive. And Hannah Seagrave ran the same race in 201. So only a second and a bit outside the, the Olympic standards. So I think that women's 800 is going to be very interesting in the trials. Other notable performances, Jess Judd ran 1506 to get the Olympic standard, which is 1510. So she finished fourth in that race to get the Olympic standard. Um, Ellis McCorgan got the Olympic standard as well for the 1500 she ran 403.89 and then Katie Snowden won the B race in 406.06 which is also an Olympic qualifying time so two more kind of athletes ticking off standards there as well and just to note on Ellis McCorgan there George sorry to interrupt she's now got the standard for the 5000 and the 1500 and she's also going to be involved in the 10,000 trials in June. So um, yeah. potentially getting a, a few Olympic standards under her belt to, to choose when it comes to Tokyo in the summer. Yeah, I'd have thought McColgan more likes to do the, yeah, the five and the 10 or one of them or maybe both um, than the 1500 mainly because so I think at the moment in the, in the 5K, it, it's only 
Judd and McColgan with the standard. Obviously, Muir is very capable, but that looks like a, a likely um, like three-woman team. Whereas in the 1500, it's Katie Snowden, Laura Muir, Melissa Courtney Bryant, Edith McColgan. There's, I think there's quite a few there. Holly Archer's just outside as well. So, I, yeah, McColgan's definitely got a lot of options, which is kind of a good position to be in. Um, and then the other main race, I'd say, was the men's 800. Uh, Josh Kerr came fifth in, in 154.7. Um, Guy Learmonth and Carl Langford ran well as well. But, yeah, Kerr looked really impressive, stepping down in distance for him and kind of opening his outdoor season. He, I, I think he ran in March, but first proper race of outdoor season and second second fastest 800 meter ever by him. So, well, yeah, just off his BB. So, Good start to the season, and I think he's going to have a, a good year. Um, he's going to be a medals contender for the 1500, definitely. So looks like he's in in good shape, which is good. And just a really good racer to watch, isn't he? He's a real racer. He just goes out and, and gives it some. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Cool. Uh, just another one to mention there. So in the same race as Jessica Judd, as you said, who ran 1506, Stephanie Twell ran season's best 1536 to finish in seventh seventh place and that's obviously still a little bit off her pb uh, which is sub 15 1454 pb uh, uh, so i suppose an impressive continuation of her comeback from injury what are your thoughts on steph 12 at the moment george and cat um, in regards to her obviously getting the marathon place and and us not being too far away from tokyo now so i think the I mean, she's getting back to 5K shape, which is obviously good, but the worry is for the, has she got enough time to get the miles in, get the kind of the foundation you need for a proper marathon block? I think that's the concern. I didn't mean she, when she ran her marathon PB, she'd only run 15, 13 that same season. So her 5K PB isn't, or 5K season's best, isn't far off what it was when she ran her best marathon, but it's just whether, yeah, she's got, got enough miles in her legs got the kind of the foundation built for the big marathon block I think is the, the question but only she knows that I suppose yeah I guess it does kind of show that the selectors knew something about form to know that she was improving from that 1620 or something that she had run they must have known she was heading in the right direction and it does look like she is so hopefully hopefully she'll be ready to run a good marathon other um athletes at that meet in America included Lizzie Bird who just missed out on the qualifying time in the 3000 meter steeple. Um, Zach Seddon also ran in a 3000 meter men's steeple chase just again outside of the Olympic standard. I know George you've watched quite a lot of it really good coverage I thought and you can go back and watch all of those races on YouTube now so just a really well covered meet I don't know what you thought. Yeah yeah I agree I think it was on World Athletics YouTube for, for free. Quite often these races in America are on like some NBC Gold or Float Track subscription. So it's good. It was like on kind of free to wear and available to everyone. And yeah, it was good coverage. So enjoyed watching it. Did you see what happened? Did you see what Amy Pratt put on Instagram about why she didn't start? It was all to do basically, it seems like security escorted her off the ground. They told her she... She didn't get her PCR test back in time. So they said, just come and do a lateral flow. So she went to a pharmacy. They said, come back two hours before the race. And she did. And without even speaking to her, they called security on her and escorted her out the ground. So she never got to race. 
which is really disappointing because she's just spent a block of training out there with the intention of them putting in a good race and didn't get to race. So I think she went to the track, went to a local track and ran a solo 1500 or something. But yeah, really disappointing for her to just some official decided that she hadn't done things right despite following exactly what they said. And mm -hmm. so we don't get to see what she could have done, but she said something about a race coming up. So hopefully we get to see something soon. But Other races and other results we should mention. So a couple of episodes, Georgie spoke to Finn McClear and uh, he pretty much cruised to a Mid-American Conference Championship win. Um, and he ran a 149.05 for the 800 in the final. And his team, so... Miami, Ohio took the overall win as well. Did you see much of that, George? Yeah, I watched the the semi-final, the heats. Uh, it was on Friday night, I think. And I didn't watch the final because it, yeah, I was out racing. But looked very comfortable in the uh, in the heat, and by by the sounds of it, he won the final pretty comfortably as well. And uh, I think it was a a one-two-three for Miami as well. So good team performance for them. Yeah, absolutely. So well done, Finn. George, if we turn our attention to the Trafford BMC Grand Prix, so obviously you were there racing in the 5,000. Fairly cold and wet and windy evening, but um, didn't put the athletes off as far as we could see in the live stream. And actually we saw 123 athletes run PBs. Um, why don't you take us through the, the main headlines from the Trafford BMC? Yeah, so I think the well, one, one of the best races of the day was the, the men's 800, so... Well, some very fast times in that. Archie Davis uh, won in in one forty six. Uh, it was a really good battle down the home straight with uh, Ben Patterson, Alex Bottrell, Max Wharton. Um, but yeah, Archie Davis won in in one forty six, and he entered the year with a PB of one forty eight. He then ran one forty seven point two last weekend, um, or the weekend before, and then another kind of half second or so off that PB now. So he's improving quickly and getting closer to the um, the Olympic standard, which I think is one forty five point two. So uh, about a second and a bit off, but getting getting closer. Um, and then Ben Patterson, as I say, he was one of the ones that got a Euro under twenty three qualifying time. He ran one forty six point seven, finished really well, um, and yeah, just just missed out on the win, but. Kind of, I imagine his main aim was ticking off that standard, and then Alex Bottrell came third in one forty-seven zero nine. Men's fifteen hundred was a good race as well. A uh, couple of Euro under twenty standards in there with um, Eastern Hussey ran the Euro under twenty standards, so he ran three forty-three, and Kane Elliott ran three forty-four. So they're they're both got the standards for European under-20s, but it was Jeremy Dempsey that won in 342.49. Um, maybe the most impressive performance of the day was in the men's 5K, Tom Mortimer, um, Loughborough University and Stroud. And he ran 13.39, completely solo, well, with the pacemaker from the start, but when the pacemaker dropped out, completely solo and and won by 14 seconds in the end in pretty wet and windy conditions not yeah not the day to be running out the front kind of as clear as he was of the rest of the field but yeah ran a pb 1339.79 so really impressive performance from him 
Tom Mortimer just seems like a really gutsy runner, George. I know you've trained with him a little bit at Loughborough. What do you like to train with? And, and he seems to have the approach of just going out hard and, and shooting for a fast time each time he races. Yeah, it's exactly that. Um, leaves everything out there, kind of runs on the on the limit from start to finish, I think. A little bit like kind of Omar Ahmed likes to do, just, yeah, maybe go out a little bit harder than you should. But on a really good day, you might hang on and run something amazing. Like, And that seems to be what, what Tom does. And to be fair, he's, he's been pretty consistent kind of recently as well. Obviously, ran really well at podium. Um, ran really well at, at Trafford. He ran well at podium last year as well, I think. And yeah, and British champs as well got a bronze medal. So yeah, I think he's going to be, I mean, he's, he's only, I think he's two years older than me. So he's only 22, already kind of got some big wins and very, very good performances under his belt. So I think definitely got a big future. And like I say, just kind of, yeah, just races flat out from the gun and kind of, Sometimes it doesn't work, but at the moment it seems to be working pretty well. And in the women's 5,000, George, a friend of the show, Jenny Nesbitt, took the win. Yeah, similar sort of performance, really. Ran ran it from the front. Um, she ran 15.40, so 10 seconds out outside her PB still, but trending in the right direction in recent weeks. Um, I think she's kind of in, improved with every race she's done so far this season with the 3Ks and 5Ks on the track. Um, and yeah, won it convincingly from the front, and yeah, look look pretty good. And I think if you're kind of within ten seconds of your PB on an evening like that, in those sort of circumstances, I think that's a very good performance. Yeah, I think for Jenny, just watching the race, she just would have benefited so much from having other runners around her. So she stuck to the pacemaker like glue when it went out, but then when the pacemaker dropped, she was completely on her own, and it's it's really really hard to do that on your own when you're you're on the limit um she's obviously going for the 1530 as a bit of a qualifying time as well so hopefully she can get into a, a fast race with other women around her to help her out a bit i think it's so easy when you you you're stuck to a pacemaker and you're kind of you're able to just stare at their heels and not think about what what times you're running and then as soon as they drop out you've guys yeah it's left completely to yourself and it, it's so easy to just lose concentration for a lap and then if you're trying to run 75s or something you might end up just running an 80 by mistake and then you've kind of let it slip too far already so it is very tough and I mean yeah Tom did it very very well but yeah um, it is a, a very hard thing to do particularly when the weather was like it was. A couple of other kind of good performances so Alex Bell ran two flat point one four for the 800 so just just outside the Olympic standard. Um, yes. And I mean, I think she ran, she ran at Soto as well. So you definitely think there's a kind of the extra half a second she needs to get the standard. She's more than, yeah, she's more than capable of it. Qualifying for that Ainge Meads team is going to be really tough for, for everyone, really. Ricky, Hodgkinson and Tracy already have the standards. Alex Bell, Ellie Baker are just outside. Lindsay Sharp, I don't race this year, but people will expect her to be there or thereabouts as well. So, it's going to be a tough team to make, I think, that one. And then also, talking of the 800 European Indoors champion, Keely Hodgkinson impressed, impressed over the 400. She ran 53.73 to finish second. First time BMC have done 400s, actually, but I think, yeah, 53 is yeah, very good going. So she's clearly in good form and 
sharpening up for you know 100 meters in the, the near future i thought and then finally women's 15 uh two runners ran euro under 23 standards in that so sarah healy um she won and then erin wallace of uh, Gifnet North, she clocked fourteen thirteen to to get yeah, just dip under side under the Euro under twenty three standards. So yeah, lots of good performances. Thanks, George. The next race we're going to check in on is the Mid Cheshire five k. This happened a couple of weeks ago now on the thirtieth of April. Um, this is a spring version of the event, um, and it happened on a fairly good evening for racing. It was a wave start, and as always, there was a fast field of athletes with twenty six men running under 15 minutes and 11 women running under 17 minutes. If we start with the women's race, it was a, a fairly good fight to the tape with the top three finishing within three seconds of each other. So Molly Williams of Stockport won the women's race in 16.25, which was a PB. And she took the win ahead of the Vale Royal AC duo Tessa McCormick in 16.26 and Holly Wheel in 16.28. So a really close finish there for the women's race. In the men's race, it was a really good battle between Alex Brown of Morpeth, who took the win in 1411, uh, who just tipped Johnny Meller to the line, who ran 1412. Johnny Meller was leading for a good chunk of the race, um, but Alex Brown out sprinted him in the end. And David Devine uh, came third, a clubmate of Johnny Meller, Liverpool, in 1424. And we actually managed to sit down with the two winners of the Mid Cheshire 5K. Uh, so I sat down with Molly Williams and George, you sat down with Alex Brown. So we've got a short interview with each of those now. So, um, yeah, hopefully you enjoy the insight from those two race winners. On to the news then, guys. Um, and this evening, British Athletics have confirmed the European 10,000 metre team for the event taking place on June the 5th in Birmingham, which is also the same meet where the Olympic 10,000 qualifying race is happening. So 12 athletes will represent the British team in what's called the European 10,000 metre cup. And as we said, that will take place at the University of Birmingham on Saturday, the 5th of June. It's also the Olympic trial event, which is probably the main talking point here rather than the European Cup, in all honesty. Um, and the first two athletes at the trial who hold an Olympic qualifying standard will automatically qualify for Tokyo Olympics and if you haven't listened to the Jake Smith interview from last week, we, we spoke about that um, a little bit with him. In the women's side of things, we've got Ailish McColgan of Dundee. She's already got the Olympic 10,000 metre standard from last Feb when she ran 30 minutes and 58 seconds. And as we've mentioned, she's also actually currently got the Olympic standards for the 15 and the 5. Lily Partridge of Birch, Birchfield will be there. Jenny Nesbitt, who we've mentioned as well, from Cardiff. Um, will be there as well. And Lily Partridge and Jenny Nesbitt are second and third on the 2021 UK rankings in the 10,000 metres. So they've ran 32.33 for Partridge and 32.44 for Nesbitt. So good competition there between those two women. We've got Jess Judd, who's obviously in great form following her 15.06 last weekend. So I'm sure she'll be in amongst it. Whilst we also have European Indoor Championships 3,000 medalists Amy Eloise Markov of Wakefield and Verity Ockenden, who you've interviewed a few weeks ago. Kat, a fairly good field there, Kat. It looks quite an exciting race on paper. Yeah, that looks going to be good. It's a great mix of people like Lily Partridge dropping down from the marathon to the 
sort of Verity and Amy Louise Markov going up from the recent sort of 3000s, that is going to be really interesting to see how those different sort of athletes approach that with the top two qualifying, you know, you can see Verity and Amy Louise Markov wanting to make that a tactical race, you know, still fast because they all need the standard, but they're, they're going to want to use their sprint finishes. So it's going to be that I can't wait for that. But the one thing, I, this has only just come out, so I haven't had a lot of chance to look at, but I'm wondering, are they the only six women that are going to get to compete for the Olympic spot? I wouldn't have thought so. George, you might know more. I think this is just the team... This the European yeah, the so it gives us a little bit of an insight as to who's going to be in the race but I don't think it's the full picture by any means no because I'd like to think they'd give a few more a chance as there's people like you know Charlotte Arter you know even uh, Sarah Ingalls anyone like that would have a reasonable shot and yeah I'd, hopefully there's a lot yeah. more places than that yeah, I think it's because I saw a, a post about it on Twitter a couple of weeks ago that there was a like a standard to get into the event, which I think like I noticed that the the five thousand meter qualifying time and there was a ten thousand one as well. I think it was fourteen twenty and like thirty flat, thirty dead maybe for the men. So that's just to get into the event, and then I presume these athletes are kind of representing GB sort of at the same time. Um, seems a bit of a odd way of doing it, but I suppose there's only so many ten thousand meters they can actually kind of cram in between now and then. So doing a trial and a European Cup was probably too much. So kind of doing one, which yeah. makes sense. But yeah, will make it a bit weird that there's kind of people competing for GB and like they might get beaten by other British athletes that run well on that day, but obviously they don't count for the European Cup. So we should mention that the Tokyo qualifying standard for the women for the 10,000 is 31 minutes, 25 seconds. Um, in the men's, the standard is 27 minutes, 28 seconds. And Sam Atkin and Mark Scott are currently the only two British male athletes that hold the Olympic Games qualifying standard. So Sam Atkin of Lincoln Wellington ran 27.26 in California last December, and he's going to be part of the men's European Cup team. Also in the team is Emil Caress of Leeds City, Mo Farah, who doesn't need much introducing, four-time Olympic champion, and who's seeking a place at his fourth Games, will be at the event in Birmingham. Christian Jones of Swansea, Mark Scott, obviously who we've mentioned, will be there. He ran uh, a time of 27.10 in February, uh, which moved him to second on the UK all-time list. And last week's interviewee, as we've mentioned, Jake Smith will also be part of that six-man GB team for the European Cup. But again, like the women, we're assuming a host of other men in that race competing for the Olympic trials. George, if I can sort of push you for a prediction for the men's race, top two. Obviously, we don't have a full start list, but maybe out of those men we do know will be there. Who are you going for? It's an interesting one, particularly Farah, because... I mean, we haven't seen him race on the track for a while. We got, and we, we very rarely got to see him at these sort of British champs sort of events because he was always such a guarantee for teams that he, he never really needed to turn up. So that that's going to make it interesting. I think, yeah, he's ran 26.40, I think. And I think I looked earlier, I think he ran 28.09 from 
10,000 meters to 20,000 meters in that hour record thing he did last year. So, yeah, if he can run like 28 minute pace for an hour, I think he'll have no problems running 27, 28. Um, yeah, I think it's hard to look past Farrow and, and Scott for the top two. And then it'll be really interesting to see if anyone outside of Sam Atkin can, can get the standard. Obviously, Jake Smith will probably be the main one people are looking to. So, should be interesting. But yeah, I think it's going to be Scott and Farrow, top two. Cat and the women out of that, those names, could you pick two out of there that you think are going to win? Uh, well, I think Alicia McCogan will definitely, I, I think she'll win. I'd be fairly sure of that. And then I think probably, I don't know, I mean, Jess Judd's in really good shape, so it'd be interesting to see how she goes. Or I think Verity has a really good shot as well. So I think, yeah, second will be between Verity and Jess Judd, I think. Yeah, well, we're obviously biased here, having spoken to Jenny Nesbitt, Verity Ockenden and Jake Smith. So um, from a track yeah. perspective, those are the, the ones we're rooting for. But just shaping up to be a really interesting, exciting night um, of racing to watch. Yeah, I can't wait. Speaking of which, um, there's been confirmation for the date of the Diamond League, which is going to take place at Gateshead. Uh, so it'll be the first Diamond League of the season on the 23rd of May at the Gateshead International Stadium. Athletes such as Laura Muir, Adele Tracy, Ailish McColgan and Holly Archer have already confirmed they'll be there in the 1500. And also today we saw that for athletics fans, the BBC has secured the rights to show every Diamond League live on TV, online, for the next four years. So that's a good thing. Um, some athletics on BBC says the next four years, all Diamond Leagues will be live on the BBC. Looking ahead, we've been speaking about the Tokyo Olympics. Um, over in Tokyo, they've done a couple of test events. In fact, they've done 11 test events now, having taken place in Japan since last month, with apparently no positive cases arising from those test events. We've already been told there's going to be no international fans at the Olympics and there's going to be a decision in June as to whether there will be uh, Japanese fans allowed at the Games. Um, but the most recent test events in June included a Sapporo Marathon Festival and a meet at the track called Ready Steady Tokyo. Let's see, a total of 20 disciplines were contested by 420 athletes and there are actually some Quotes from Justin Gatlin, who was one of the international athletes taking part, um, saying that he felt very safe and it was all very controlled. So hopefully those test events result in the games going ahead. Um, the Kipchoge Bekele potential race fumbles on. We know that despite Bekele not running the Ethiopian Olympic trials because he said they were too close to the Olympics, um, there is some suggestion uh, that he may or will be picked for the Ethiopian Olympic marathon team in Tokyo, which would most likely mean he would be racing Elliot Kipchoge, which has been um, headlined as one of the, the biggest duels of the century in marathon terms. But I suppose it's just a wait and see, guys, because we've had no confirmation of the Ethiopian marathon team. And there does seem to be a bit of debate between the organisations in Ethiopia as to whether he will slash should be picked, having not performed at the trials. So we're going to have to wait and see whether that happens, Kat, whether you see uh, Bekele beat Kipchoge, as you think may happen. I'm, I'm just happy there's a chance. This is it's made my day, this news, that we just might see that battle at the Olympics. 
that would it will just be awesome but yeah we'll see Kat, you sat down and spoke to Natasha Cochran for this week's in-depth interview. How did it go? Give us a bit of insight into what we can expect to, to hear from that interview. Yes, um, you know, beforehand, I was really excited to speak to Natasha Cochran. I was really um, watched her perform in London and just thought she was really impressive to perform in those conditions. And when we started making our predictions for Kew Gardens, she was top of my list for someone that would perform. So I, I thought she was pretty great, but after speaking to her, I just think she is, she's my running hero now. She's just, she is amazing. We talked about obviously the disappointment from Kew Gardens and she's really open about that, really sort of, what can you say? You don't get over something like that easily. It's 30 seconds off the Olympics. It's really good to see her talk really openly about how gutted she is and you know that shows how how much she wants it um but yeah it was it was great and the the stuff a few little things like she's never dnf'd a race she's been running since she was 11 like that's pretty pretty tough to never just give up and um yeah she doesn't run with any music on which is pretty um just to make herself tougher so, yeah, she's really amazing to speak to. And, yeah, hopefully everyone enjoys listening to it. Yeah, thanks, Kat. We hope you enjoy that interview with Natasha Cockrum. Guys, that's it, I think. Thanks uh, for joining again this week. And thank you to everyone who's listened and who's listened in the past. We hope you enjoy the show and, and, um, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks' time. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Cheers. So I'm joined here by Alex Brown, the men's winner of the Mid-Cheshire 5K last weekend. Alex won in a time of 14.11 to finish one second ahead of Johnny Meller, thanks to a great kick in the last few hundred metres. This was a 12-second PB for Alex, having run 14.23 at the Mid-Cheshire 5K last year and having run 14.23 earlier this year in Middlesbrough. Congrats on the win, Alex, and a, and a great run. Thank you for joining me. How are you? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. So yeah, great run. PB and a win. Uh, talk us through the the race from your point of view. Yeah, so I was going in the worst. Um, I felt in pretty good shape. Obviously, that one miles for a five k and fourteen twenty three conditions there weren't ideal. Um, so yeah, I was hoping for to go slightly quicker than that, and of course as well from doing it last summer. I mean, yeah, I, I knew I was just going to go with it, whatever the pace was, whoever it was, I was just going to go off that front and. You know, if I did blow up the last mile or so, then it didn't really matter. I mean, yeah, it went off fast, as it always does. It's downhill start. And then slightly slowed up the second mile, I think. It goes slightly up a hill, for anyone who's done my course before will know. And then it got about 3K in. And then, yeah, just me and Johnny broke away. And, you know, I felt like one point it was like, if it's real, just running with Johnny Miller. And then he started to get a little gap. And then, yeah, the last key, I managed to chase him down and then get him at the end. So I was happy for Yeah, and the, the last K on the live stream, it just looked like you could just tell you were just trying to hang on and then start closing in on him as, as much as possible. And then kind of you gradually worked your way back to him and, and looked like you got a bit of an extra burst of adrenaline, I suppose, as you, as you passed from, like you say, as a world-class athlete. How did those like last moments pay out in your head, that last 500 metres or so? Yeah, well, it was coming down for like a kit to go, 800 to go. 
and I was just sat second pretty much like you know because I was just having my head off you know it's Johnny Meller like I'm not going to close him down second and will be a good result behind him and then got sort of like 500 600 go and I realized I was closing them and then you know please focus on a bit more now so I thought you know he might have a sprint we'll just test it out and then yeah close them down quite a lot for the last 300 and then yeah it was quite comfortably kicked past him in the end I think the last 100 or so to get the whole race itself was it pretty evenly paced you said he slowed down second mile but other than that was it you know pretty pretty much on 14 11 pace throughout um, I think it was like much quicker the last mile I think um you know obviously went off pretty hard and then you know probably went off at that sort of pace and then maybe slowed a little bit. I don't really have a watch on, so I couldn't, I couldn't tell you the exact times that were on for each sort of kilometer or so. But you know, just from from a feeling of my legs and the feeling of the pace after running that, it definitely felt the last mile was pretty, pretty swift. What's the thinking behind uh, racing that watch on? That's like quite old school in a way. I think is it just run off field and just run as hard as you can? Is that the thinking? Yeah, I guess it's just so I don't like get too sort of focused on the time and forget, you know, you're actually in the race. I guess if you have your watch on and then I realised I don't, I don't know, went through the first came to 47, you might be like, oh my God, that's so quick and panic a little bit. Yeah. Where if you haven't got a watch on, I think, you think about it and, you know, you actually just race what's in front of you um, and you're not like obsessively checking your watch every sort of, meters to make sure like you're still on for your PB pace whatever so yeah 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 and I guess it helps when you you know it's such a strong field like that where you know it, it's going to go out fast and all you got to do is kind of get in the group and, and hold on what time were you aiming for going into the race just a PB or um, was the sub 14 sort of in mind now you got that much closer yeah definitely sub 14 in mind early later on this year um Obviously, British champs qualifying times 13.55, so you know it would be would be nice to try and get close to that as possible. You know, going to that race on Friday, like, I'm not just saying this because I ran 14.11, but I think I was in like around 14.10 shape. Hopefully, trim a few steps off later on this year. Yeah, yeah. And did you get to speak to Johnny after the race? A little bit of a elbow bump, COVID sort of yeah. handshake, um, and then yeah, I got sort of pulled aside, I guess. To get given the trophy, and then Johnny just sort of, um, yeah, wanders off after that somewhere. Yeah, I think I saw on Strava that you were on the Loughborough track this morning with a session. Was that was that right? Good session. Yeah, it was early doors. It was about seven twenty or something. I start my session. Yeah, it was just a sort of like maintaining the session, just sort of ten k pace and a bit of speed work after. Didn't really want to like. Do anything to that, especially um, with it being so early on as well. And then, so later on this year, you so you ran sub thirty for ten k last year, I think, and now obviously fourteen, eleven for five k. What? When's your next race? What's your your main aim for the year? So my next race is probably going to be the Loughborough National of three thousand meters. Yeah. That's on the weekend of the twenty second of May, I think, twenty third of May, something like that. Um, but yeah, like I already said, I'm going to do 5,000 metres 
in Wasps on the 12th of June to try and get the British Champs qualifying time there. And then, um, yeah, just do do a few shorter races, sharpen up over some 1,500 metres and stuff like that. And then, yeah, hopefully half marathon sort of autumn time. Yeah. Yeah, and you seem to race quite a lot on the roads. Is that is that right? And do you prefer the roads for track or is that just kind of just trying to get in as many fast races as you can at the moment? Yeah, I guess for the um, for the track, I'm not really a, a big fan. I just do because sort of really. Um, but you know, I much prefer racing on the road, and you know, I think that one day I'm going to be sort of like a a distance guy on the road, and, and like a sort of a fifteen hundred meter, five thousand meter guy on the track. Um, I think it's just sort of the mental side of lap after lap on the track. I just can't really. And do it as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, as I say, great run again um, last weekend. It, yeah, I watching the live stream, it yeah it was a, an amazing last last K or so, and very impressive finish. So, congratulations again. Thank you for kind of talking us through the race. Um, and yeah, all the best with the rest of the season. Thank you. Cheers. This week on track, we are delighted to be joined by the winner of the recent Mid Cheshire 5K, Molly Williams. Molly runs for Stockport AC and clocked a time of 16.25 on the roads of Cheshire to run a 10-second PB and finish ahead of Tessa McCormick and Holly Weedle in her first race of 2021. Molly, who is studying for an MSc in Physiotherapy at Leeds Beckett Uni, has a wealth of club racing behind her and experience running in the US at collegiate level. So we're delighted that she joined us now to talk us through her recent winning performance. Hi Molly, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Very good. Thank you very much for joining us. First of all, congratulations on your win. Thank We're you. almost a week after the race itself now. So how are the legs and, and how did you recover after the race? Um, they're a bit tired, I'm not going to lie. Um, I took a rest day on Saturday because I had work as well. So, you know, didn't really need to do very much. And then back on a Sunday long run. So yeah, I think it's it is starting to catch up with me. I did a Monday a session on Monday this week where I usually do them on a Tuesday, but because obviously race Friday it worked quite well. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I am a bit tired. It was a big session, so I've just okay. taken it easy the rest of the week. So not too What bad. was the session? Were you on the track or on the road? Uh no, so there's like a trail path called Middlewood Way, um, not far from here. So went down there, did a two and a half mile warm-up, then it was like a lot of threshold. So we did four mile threshold out then two minute recovery and then three mile threshold back and um, just a bit quicker and then last mile try and go for it a little bit so then two and a half mile warm down so it was like a 12 mile session overall and who is that with is that with Stockport teammates or uh, so yeah tr- I'm coached by Dave Turnbull so had a few um other guys helping me out so yeah it was nice oh very good okay um well if we jump into the race straight away Looking at the results, it was close finish at the end. So Tessa McCormick has a time of 16.26 down on the results and Holly Weedle 16.28. And you were obviously 16.25. Obviously, you were mixed in with the men as well. So how how aware were you of the other women in the field? And were they in reality only a second or two behind you? Or did the wave start mean that they were actually further back or, or somewhere else? Yeah, so... Obviously, I saw them in my wave. We were all in the same green wave. Um... And I presumed like they started near me, but obviously when you all move forward, like to, to the start line, like I didn't really obviously see them around me. 
and um, because like the first miles downhill like everyone just goes off so quickly um so they came flying past me in the first mile and I was just like you know what I'm going quicker I can't go any quicker so I just let them go um and my first mile was quite quick but everyone was like make the most of the first like mile it's downhill otherwise you know you might struggle towards the end because it goes slightly uphill in the second um so I let them go and I could still see them like most of the way and then I think it got to about 3k and I was starting to like rein them in a little bit and I was thinking you know what I could get them here so it got to maybe I think I caught them just on the fourth k as you turn the corner um and then I was like yeah I feel good and then it hit like 800 meters and I was like wow (laughs) my legs are feeling this now but yeah I didn't I didn't really know how like far behind they were when I'm obviously I was coming to the line I didn't really look behind or anything so I could just hear people calling names and I was thinking I need to sprint but I've got nothing left but yeah no it it was a good race like had them in my sights and I guess they weren't that far behind in the end so it was a quick race and quick finish I guess and and you knew that you were the front runner then and those two yeah you knew there wasn't anyone else in front of you yeah my dad had said it like I I think he was stood at 3k he was like your third lady now so I knew roughly like there was only three I think obviously Tessa and Holly in front of me but I wasn't certain because obviously there's so many waves and yeah well you said you went for uh went off fast at the start and this is according to Strava but your first mile on Strava says 503 I think yeah (laughs) like uh, my question here you've sort of answered it was was that intentional or was that just the start of a race it's downhill it's everyone goes off quick so like I usually start my watch I don't really tend to look at it because I just think I get too bogged down with the times. Um, so I kind of went off and I let them go because I thought I'm going quick here and I don't want to like leave nothing towards the end. So I kind of held back a little bit, but everyone was like, you need to make the most of the first mile that I'd previously done it. I've never done it before, so didn't really know. Um, and I knew the second mile was slightly uphill. So I, I went off, obviously, like you do in a race, try and stick with a few people around you. And I knew a few people in my wave, so knew roughly what time they were going to go for. So I wanted to keep people in my sights. So obviously I'd have people to run with. And then I caught a guy that um, called Greg that also runs for Stockport in like the end of the first mile. And we ran together for probably the second mile. So that helped a lot. Um, so, yeah, I think my second mile was a lot slower. <laughs> but <laughs> obviously they were both of um the same club they were both at Vale Royal AC yeah so presumably they looked like they were working together as far as yeah you they know. well from what I could see yeah they were around each other for most of it so yeah I think so yeah okay before the race did you have did you think the win was a possibility or had you not even thought about it or was this something that you thought yeah this is actually a race I could go out and win um I had looked at the start list and I thought like, cause originally I'd entered um, Presswold Hall 5k as well. So that was on the Sunday. So I couldn't really decide which one to do. Um, so I looked at the start list on both and then uh, I chose Mid Cheshire and my coach helped me choose. He wanted me to do a long run on the Sunday. So that kind of made it easier, but um, yeah, there was a few good runners in it. So I thought, you know, what, I'll have a good race here and there'll be people around me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't really expect to win. Like, I thought, oh no, there's quite a few good runners like Lauren Hayes. I know she's come back from having a baby, and um, there was Kirsty Longley, and so you know it was good competition. And I think I thought I'd maybe have a chance, but I didn't really expect it. Um, and your 10k PB, I think I'm right in saying, is what was that the Run Cheshire 10k? Yeah, in October. 
November, something yeah, like that. Yeah, so 3429. So you've obviously got a sort of good luck at, at the Cheshire events. Yeah, well, that was my, I think, the first one as well around near Cheshire. So yeah. So it was obviously live streamed. Um, yeah. And when we were watching it live, it, they just followed the, the front um, of the race, which is obviously Johnny Miller. Yeah. Uh, and Alex, who ended up winning. Did you have you watched it back? Because you, you did get a bit of um, footage towards the, the end of the, the race there. Yeah, yeah, I watched it back. So I probably pretty much did that straight after. <laughs> so yeah, and then I just wanted to see obviously how far girls were behind me as well, because I didn't really see. So yeah. And was your, your coach happy with how you raced and how you set out and how you sort of, as you said, you sort of let them go and then got them back in? He was expecting me to get a PB and train him well. You know, it's a good quick course, so... He was happy. He just obviously wants me to get a few more PBs on the track. <laughs> well, you mentioned your PBs. Um, ten, I think I'm right in saying that was 10 seconds PB, your previous yeah. best run at podium 5K last year. Yeah. Obviously, that's another quick, quick race. How do the two races compare in your eyes? Um, podium, yeah, it's a good course. Um, but I struggle with the laps. Like, okay. I, I think mentally I, I get to like 4K and I'm like, oh, another lap. Like... <laughs> And so I think mid Cheshire, mentally it's quite easy. And I think it went quicker. Like I got to 4K and it flown by. So yeah, but they're both very quick courses and obviously you get a good set of like people to run with. So yeah. Very good. Um, you mentioned the long run on Sunday and your coach wanted you to do a long one. What does what your training look like, I suppose, over this lockdown period and just in general, do you, do you have such a thing as a typical training week? Um, yeah, so like, during the first lockdown, I li- my coach was just like, you know what, don't do any sessions, just run, because there's nothing to train for, like, you may as well just tick the miles over and tick the legs over, but now we're being a bit more specific, so, like, I try and aim for, like, 60 miles a week, um, so it would usually be, like, two sessions a week, usually Tuesday, Friday, mm-hmm. I'd do a long run of, like, 14 miles to, like, six, 15 miles, 16 miles on a Sunday, and then in the week, I'd just easy run like eight miles um, most days or like maybe double run the odd day on a Thursday. So, yeah, usually it's like between 50, 60, try and aim for 60, but try and keep around that. And you're obviously balancing that with an MSC, as we said, in physio. Yeah, Leeds yeah so I'm at Leeds. Um, and luckily, like with COVID, obviously, a lot of it's online. So I'm online every day, nine till 12, and then have to go to Leeds on a Thursday, nine till five. Um, and then I also work part time as well. So having to obviously be very organised <laughs> and get up early, which is I'm not really a morning person. So I've had to run quite a lot before lectures. So very good getting it done. Yeah. And um, in terms of looking ahead, what what races are on the calendar? Have you got anything else coming up? Um, so I was planning on doing the Leeds BMC, okay. um, but because I haven't raced on the track in about four years, I can't really get into it at the minute. Okay. And um, so I think I'm going to do Trafford Grand Prix or maybe on tu- Tuesday the 18th mm-hmm. and then hopefully try and get into the Sports City BMC. Okay. And then maybe do the there's a track 10k in June so maybe try that as well but yeah it's just a few track races I think now just try and get my 3k and 1500 meter time down okay so at Trafford it would be a 3000 would it yeah okay and what would the target time would you have anything in mind now is it just about racing it well it's about rate I've not obviously done a 3k for about four years but definitely just get a pb I'd try and aim for like nine 
30 maybe maybe it's a bit ambitious but we'll try <laughs> okay Molly I wanted to touch upon um your time in America if that's yeah, okay that's so good. as far as I could work out you ran for is it the Lamar Cardinals in Texas yeah yeah okay so was that a mainly like a cross-country focused racing when you're out there yeah I was I went out there like slightly injured and yeah but I had a yeah it was a good time so was, how long were you out there for I was out for a year I was meant to be for two but okay. I got injured so it's a bit of you know it's not great when you're injured but yeah and what about the whole U.S. experience and being out in Texas and it's definitely a good experience like there's a lot of funding out there and you get a lot of support and you know all the facilities that are mega like compared to obviously over here mm. so you do get obviously all the recovery and everything um and the travel to like all races you get to travel all over so it's, a, it's definitely a like good experience and obviously you see a different side of running it's very like a bit more professional than obviously over here mm. um but yeah, I think obviously you're there to run and if you're not running, it's a bit like, can be a bit miserable, but. We like to look at our guests' first Power of 10 entry when we uh, interview them. And yours, I think I'm right in saying, was back in 2008 as an under 13. <laughs> um, but one thing that struck me was loads and loads of racing really from yeah. 2008 up to now. Is that that's something that you just you just like to get out and race? Um, so I think, obviously, I think the first few races, I might have been coached by someone else um, at the time. And I used to, yeah, I did used to race quite a lot when I was a kid. And then as I moved to Dave, we had a bit more specific plans and we still raced, I think, a fair bit, but we aimed certain races and worked towards them, I guess. But I think you have to do a few races to get in like race shape. So you're someone who likes to have a few tune-up races before? Yeah, like obviously this mid-Cheshire I haven't raced since Christmas, so it was a bit of a shock to the system. I felt it the whole way around. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like I have to have a few races to get into the swing of things. Okay, great. Well, listen, Molly, thanks so much for joining us. Congratulations again on your win, and um, we'll be sure to keep an eye on, you, on your races coming up, and we wish you all the best with those. Thank you, and thanks, thanks for the Tonight on track, we are excited to be joined by British Marathon champion Natasha Cockrum. After a very promising junior career, she turned her attention to marathons where she has made rapid progress. She currently holds the Welsh National Marathon record and has recently secured the Commonwealth Games qualifying standard, running a PB of 2 hours 30.03 at the Olympic trials in Kew Gardens. Thank you so much for taking the time out to talk to us tonight. How are you? No, thank you for having me. It's been a while since I've done a podcast. So it seems to have all gone quiet since the trial. So yeah, good to be back on here. I became a big fan, and I'm sure many others did, after watching you battle those awful conditions to become the British Marathon champion at London Marathon last October. You showed so much determination in a race that saw other big names throw in the towel. Tell us about that impressive performance. How do you build that mental strength? Uh, I think that was actually kind of an odd race for me because I went into it injured. So, yeah, I had no idea what to expect at all. I think it was kind of nice though because it took the pressure off completely. Um, so, yeah, I went into that race. Obviously, Lily and um, Steph Twell were out-and-out out favourites. And then in the end, it was Naomi and I, which was just nice to be racing someone that I've never really raced before. 
Um, but yeah, going into the race, I had no idea if I'd even be able to get on the start line, not alone finish it. So I think that just took the pressure off and it was kind of just do what I can on the day. And luckily it paid off. So yeah. So during that battle with Naomi, how much information were you getting about where you were in the race? Did you know it was the battle for the British Championship? Yeah, I wasn't aware at first that Lady Orstaff dropped out, but I think as the race progressed, I kind of realised like, okay, it's just Naomi and I. I didn't really know where Tish and Tracy were either, because obviously I knew they were quite established runners as well, and they were obviously up there somewhere I just didn't know where so yeah as the race progressed especially as it being laps you just kind of know I think more than any other race where you are at which was nice a lot of people don't like the laps but it's something I really like so did you do you feel the pressure on like you said that one you felt slightly less pressure having gone into it injured not really knowing but did you feel like the whole world was watching you on that small lapped course yeah definitely I think if anything as well, any pressures that I feel going into races is actually pressure created by myself. So like going into that race, I knew that everyone was really watching Steph and Lily. They were the favourites. That was where all the media pressure was. But at the same time, even though I was injured at the back of my mind, I was like, this is the British Championships. I have got that pressure as well to perform. But I knew it was all kind of internal pressure rather than pressure from anywhere else. So I think I'm just, yeah, I'm kind of like that. I kind of like putting that pressure on myself. I've got to be careful not to put too much on, so it's getting that balance as well. But I think, yeah, I just got it right on the day. It's good to feel some nerves going in, isn't it? It's what keeps you keeps you on your toes. Exactly. I think it was actually the adrenaline that kept me going through because I my injury is still playing up a little bit, but I think the adrenaline just kind of masked it over and got me through. So let's talk about the Olympic trials that took place in March this year at Kew Gardens. First of all, how was your training leading up to that? Yeah, it was quite consistent, although like I still was suffering a little bit from the injury that I had carried that I carried into London. But we seemed to be able to manage it. We adapted and changed my training around a little bit and got all the work we in need that we needed. So yeah, although my training was slightly different, it was still really consistent and got all the mileage and cross training in so I was yeah I think training going into that race was really good I was in pretty good shape so I was quite confident on the day yeah so obviously it was live streamed but unfortunately once Steph Davis got away at the front we lost any sort of coverage of your race which was one of the biggest disappointments of the day is we were desperate to know how you were getting on further back but talk us through it what was the course and conditions like and how did your race pan out um well it was quite windy on the day so that wasn't great but yeah as soon as I dropped off Steph it was um Lily and Sarah Ingalls and myself so we worked together for about a lap maybe in a lap and a half but then they dropped off so then yeah the rest of it I was just on my own did make it really tough um yeah fighting the wind on my own and just pacing on my own doing everything by myself so I think yeah that really did have a big impact on my performance and I think that's probably why I'm so disappointed with my performance because I think deep down I know that I could have got the Olympic qualifying standard had the conditions been different or the race been slightly different I think that's why I was so disappointed even though it was a PB and a Welsh record come off standards 
and I still wasn't happy so yeah I think that is the main reason I was just frustrated more than anything yeah it sounds it sounds like just a few more things in your favor and that and it could have been so different I, I just can't imagine what it feels like to come that close to going to the Olympics did it help having Chris Thompson uh, qualify at the age of 39 did that help put some perspective on it for you thinking how many more Olympics you've still got to come I think weeks weeks on yeah it was a more realization like okay I'm not that old I, I can still do it because that is my ultimate goal to make the Olympics and all along we've always planned for 2024 so realistically this year was always going to be a bonus but then obviously once I felt at the Olympic trials I was kind of like oh it's over but no realistically I've got 2024 and perhaps even 2028 so yeah so many more shots at it and I'm sure you you got within uh, you know 35 seconds or 33 seconds of it you you know you've got so much more time now before the next one what did you think of the selection process this year as an athlete that's career could depend on it do you favor that kind of all-out trial format or the more subjective selection policy what do you think you'd prefer yeah I personally prefer the all out like this is it on the day I just think that for the for the Olympics you have to be fit on the day so it's kind of a you have to prove yourself that you can perform be ready to perform when you need to so yeah I kind of like that aspect especially as quite a few athletes don't get the opportunities to go out to fast courses and it's not the same opportunities for everyone whereas if it's that race on that day everyone's got to perform regardless of what course it is or yeah so I like it personally yeah uh, well, let's see that maybe that may be the way you're doing it for 2024 <laughs> <laughs> maybe what's next for you now what's what is your sort of next target obviously you've got the Olympics in four years but is there anything coming up now are you back in training and yeah so I jumped back into training quite quick after the trials just because I felt good but I am still having a few issues with my ankle so that has been going on for quite a long time so my first and like biggest priority right now is to get back fully healthy get back to training I mean I am training I am fit and I could race if I wanted to but I just want to be fully healthy and not have any niggles. So I think that's the first priority. But ideally, I'd like to run a half, maybe a 10K, perhaps even drop down to a 5K, but that might be pushing it, um, just to get the legs turning over, ready for an autumn marathon, which I'm not sure which one that'll be yet, but definitely one of them. Are you not tempted to try for the Olympic 10,000 metre standard? I don't know if I'd even get into the trial, but... Perhaps, maybe, yeah. I, I'd like to give it a go. I just, yeah, I think it'd be, it wouldn't do me any harm to get the legs turning over over the 10K. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely worth a shot, isn't it? You're not, not far off and obviously in good shape after that marathon performance. So, yeah, um, nothing to lose. So, I love the marathon training and the sort of challenge of trying to put together that perfect training block. Is there, is there anything that you can see in your build-up that you could improve on or anything you're going to add into your next next build-up? Yeah, definitely. My downfall is things like S&C. So I'm quite poor at keeping on top of that sort of stuff. So that's something that I really need to improve on as mine's quite non-existent at the moment, which isn't ideal when you're trying to get an Olympic standard. So yeah, I think with that in place, that will get me 
a lot of gains um obviously help my performance and hopefully help me stay injury free so I think that's the biggest aspect and just things like recovery and yeah rolling stretching resting and things like that but I think my training in itself like the actual running side of it I work quite well with my coach and I think we have that down quite well so yeah it's just all the little things now that need to be put in place to really fine-tune that overall performance yeah that's the great thing about marathon training isn't it the running is one part of it but there's so much more you can do to try and try and get that perfect build up and I mean this is a great time to be starting to build in the strength and conditioning stuff exactly yeah it's just making sure I'm dedicated to it was it's one of those areas that I'm always like oh I'll go out for my run and then it's like oh I don't have time for that when realistically I do have the time it's just making it priority so I do need to get better at that it's amazing you think you've got all the time in the world but when you get home you think what do I do when I get home from a run because it's not what I meant to do <laughs> <laughs> yeah just getting my priorities right I guess <laughs> yeah uh, well, it's good good to hear that you've still got some big areas to improve because that's just all extra potential. Yeah, definitely. Has all this recent success attracted any good sponsorship deals? I see you wearing a lot of ASICs on your Instagram. Yeah, I've, well, I've not got any sponsorship deals. I'm not signed with anyone, but I am. Yeah, ASICs are sending me kits, so I'm hoping that maybe eventually I will get a contract from them. But as of right now, yeah, I'm still unsponsored. I always think that's kind of living the dream. Once you've got someone that will send you trainers, that's like, <laughs> you know you've made it. Yeah, no, it is helpful, especially with how many miles I run. So, yeah, it was kind of just over the last few months, it's just kind of been like testing different trainers out and, yeah, just working with them, which I have enjoyed. They're a great company to work with. Yeah, hopefully it will progress to something more. Yeah, and have you tried the new Metaspeed Sky? Yeah, I, I recently tried them for like, it was in like the 10 mile tempo I tried them and yeah, they're amazing, I love them. I was kind of I was kind of nervous trying something different because I've always just raced and trained in Nike and yeah, yeah I tried the Metaspeed Skies and yeah, they are really good. Yeah, that would be exciting to get your first race in in those. Yeah, definitely. So I mentioned in the intro that you had a promising junior career and I understand you also spent your uni days out in the US on a sports scholarship. I've heard you say that you didn't perform to your best out there. What do you think it was about that environment that didn't work for you? I think it was a mixture of several things. I wouldn't really say my junior career was overly great. It was it was mediocre and then obviously I went to university in America and it kind of dropped back even further so I was just nowhere when I was during during those university years and um, but yeah I think it was just a mixture of several things so before I went out I was running about 40 miles so I was 16 at the time 16 17 and then I went out there I went straight up to 100 miles and yeah I think that at the environment itself just didn't really suit me it was very controlled um, I didn't have control of what I was doing what I was eating what I was training like anything so I think yeah it just didn't really work for me I was always tired always overtrained, and then we were racing every other week and I think I just wasn't ready for that kind of training and environment at the time yeah it seems the 
the collegiate system seems to have, have a very sort of short-sighted approach to athlete development and things. They just want you to perform whilst you're whilst you're there rather than sort of develop you properly. Yeah, definitely. I think I think it's different depending on what program you're in, but I think a lot of the collegiate coaches are very much you're here for four years and then you're kind of disposable athlete you're there for four years and then you're disposed of which I think I did really experience because during my final year I got injured and I I couldn't run by the end of it and I ended up having surgery but it was almost like I did my last race and then they just didn't care because I was disposed of then my my collegiate career was at an end and yeah they just didn't care so I think yeah it's a really sad way to go about it but I think it is starting to change which is really nice to see like really nice to see the youngsters coming up and actually having a good collegiate career and going on to do more after which is just really nice yeah would you recommend it to someone that at the age that you went out there would you recommend it as a path for someone looking to sort of become more professional I think going back I wish I had done university in the UK at least my undergraduate and then definitely done my master's over there just because you're more mature your body's going to be more ready for that kind of mileage and that kind of environment so yeah I definitely think it was an amazing experience I gained a lot from it like traveling just life experience as well so I definitely would recommend it but I think if I was to go back I'd definitely rather do a master's rather than my undergraduate yeah yeah it sounds like you need to be that little bit more mature maybe to to be able to say no to some of it exactly yeah so after returning from the US and recovering from an injury you dabbled a bit with mountain running is that something you see yourself doing more of or is it all about the road marathons for now I do love the mountains I think I will always love the mountains and I would like to go back to them but the injury risk is so high that I think right now I'll just be focusing on the road but one day I would like to go back to them it's a good thing to have for towards the end of your career isn't it to get back there and enjoy running I think it's almost as well what got me back into running because post uni I was almost done I, I thought like I wouldn't race again at least not at a decent level and then I did the mountain running kind of just more for fun and it was just it was just such a breath fresh air no one knew who I was times didn't matter and it just got that competitive edge back and made me realize that I missed the racing and yeah got me yeah. back into running <laughs> Oh, well, thank goodness it did, because now you've now you've really found your distance. It seems. <laughs> um, so my last interview was with Verity Ockenden, who is also coached by Tony Hoochin. Um, How did that come about him being your coach? Was that whilst you were out in Tulsa or is that more recent? That... Yeah, no, well, it actually started when I was in school, kind of. But yeah, he recruited me from school to go to university. He was at University of Nevada Las Vegas at the time and I was so close to signing with him but very last minute I was like you know what I'm gonna go somewhere else I ended up going to Tulsa nothing to do with him nothing to do with the coaching or running program it was purely because Tulsa was better school for the academic side and I wanted to focus on my academics as well as my athletic side of things which he completely understood he took well which he 
it was fine. He ended up moving on to University of Alabama after anyway. So he didn't really, if I would have gone to Las Vegas, he wouldn't have coached me either way. And yeah, then we were in the same conference. So I'd see him at races and we'd say hi, but that was about it. And then, yeah, when I came back from uni, I'm, I think I missed two years of running and then did the mountain running, did my first marathon and then kind of thought, you know what, I should focus on the marathon. So I just gave him a message saying like, hey, I want to focus on the marathon. Would you still be interested in coaching me? And that's kind of where it started, the actual coaching relationship. So, yeah. So I've heard both you and Verity saying about your Friday sessions. He likes to put a big day in on a Friday. How, how do you prepare for that big, big training at the end of the week? I've been really fortunate. The last year I've gone part-time work, so I have Fridays off now, so I can have that day to just focus on training. So that helps a lot. Um, but yeah, it's always 10 mile tempo in the morning and then strength training and then normally 300s in the evening. So yeah, big day. <laughs> Yeah, he likes you to work hard. That that would be the worst day for me, Fridays. I'm tired by the end of the week. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's almost like I'm so used to it now that that's my big day, that that's almost the start of the week for me. So, yeah, I really like it. I hated it to begin with. I hated the 10-mile tempos. I think my first one he set me was like 10 miles at 6.22 pace, and I got about four miles in and was like, I can't do this. And it took me weeks well maybe even months to get used to doing those 10 mile tempos and yeah now I'm easily doing like finishing them in sub five pace so it's a good feeling when they come together so what what is your favorite session when it comes to training do you think do you enjoy the tempos or I think long runs are definitely my favorites but and then probably the interval workouts although when I am fit and healthy then the tempos are the most satisfying. How long do you, how high do you go on your long runs before a marathon? Do you go up to sort of 22 miles, 24 miles, or do you go the whole distance? Yeah, so the furthest long run that I've ever done is 24. So I normally do about 22. um, And then the last two will always be cool down. So I normally do 24 with six fast miles in there towards the end. And then the last two are just pretty much a crawl. I see that you do a lot of your training on your own. Do you think that helps build that mental strength, always having to put those miles in on your own? Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, like grinding out a 10-mile tempo on your own is just so mentally challenging, More probably more so than physical. So I'm always building that mental side up by doing it and grinding it out on my own. And, yeah, I think you just have to be more disciplined and, yeah just more determined when you're doing it on your own it's all on you so I definitely think it does help my mental side when I'm going into the race it always makes almost makes races easier because then I know that I have other people that are going to be able to pace me so if I can do it on my own I can definitely do it with other people around me. Have you ever had a did did not finish in a marathon or do you always kind of get to the end? Yeah no I've never had a DNF although I think I probably should have not finish my first London experience yeah I was I was injured going into that I shouldn't have gone into it and I definitely shouldn't have finished it but I was too stubborn not to so yeah that should have been a DNF but I I couldn't do it I've still not had a DNF since 
I started running at the age of 11 so yeah wow that that is impressive and I, and I'm not surprised with with how you did at London I just I thought you know that's why I was so excited to watch you at Kew Gardens because I just thought anyone that can pack with those conditions you know you know you're not going to run a PB on the day like that but to still think well I'm still going to give my best shot and see what I can get is just a, a great attitude I wish I wish I could have that sort of record <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure it's always the smartest of attitudes but who knows <laughs> um so I heard you say in another interview that was quite a while ago now that your pre-race song was Avicii wake me up is that still still the same one or have you got a new favorite now yeah, no, still same one. Although I don't always listen to music before races. It depends like what kind of mood I'm in. But yeah, that is still my go-to pre-race song. Do you listen to music if you're training, like on your tempo runs or anything? Or do you Yeah, no, not at all. I've never actually ran with music either, which I think is another part of I will grind this out on my own and make it as hard as I can for myself mentally and physically to make me stronger for races. So yeah, a lot of people think I'm crazy when it comes to that, but I definitely think it helps my mental game. Um, I will occasionally listen to music when I'm on the turbo as yeah, three hours staring at wall isn't always the best, but yeah, even that I don't always listen to music just because I think, yeah, grinding it out without anything just makes you so much stronger mentally you just have to focus and really learn to focus as well that is a really good point for for training without without music and I think you focus more on your actual running if you've not got music on as well it's a hard way to do 100 miles a week with, <laughs> with no music but it, it probably is one of the things that's helping you quite a lot there that is really good yeah I don't know sometimes I think I wouldn't actually enjoy running with music it's almost like running kind of frees me from everything like I am in the moment when I'm running but yeah the turbo I think I would much prefer to listen to music for all of it but I don't let myself so uh, yeah I think it's more the turbo than anything that I suffer with by being too stubborn to listen to anything or watch anything I don't think there's a lot of things more boring than a turbo I think you definitely deserve a bit of music for that. <laughs> if you could go for a run, go on a long run with one athlete, dead or alive, who would it be? Oh gosh, I don't know. Um, that's a really good question. I've never been asked anything like that before. Um, I think probably one of the first of like the best British athletes. So like probably even before Paula Radcliffe's time to see what they actually think of like the current marathon situation and how it's changed so much and how the training's changed and just yeah just everything I just think it'd be really interesting yeah that would be great just to ask them what their training involves exactly what's your favorite race so rather than race distance your actual favorite race ever um I think Dublin Marathon has probably been one of the ones I've enjoyed the most just because yeah the atmosphere is amazing I think London probably would have been like the real London but because of my experience on the day it I just couldn't take it in so yeah I think personally my favorite race so far has been Dublin. If you could choose between track road or country to run which one's your favorite? 
definitely road I do I do love track as well but yeah definitely road I actually like indoor more than outdoor but I'm not sure my marathon legs would appreciate the speed of an indoor race at the moment so are you a cross-country fan too or do you do you prefer it nice and flat it's not so much I prefer it flat I'm just yeah I'm not a massive fan of cross-country more because I don't like the cold yeah oddly even though all my hobbies are like involving cold wet fields <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so you you I've seen you say other things you've got a horse and dogs as well yeah so I kind of use that as like my time away from work and running because although I love running and it is a hobby it is also work as well so yeah I like to have something separate to that as well even though it is a hobby so yeah I have my horse and, and my dogs do you think that helps when you have a disappointment um to have other sort of other areas of your life that are important to you too yeah definitely I think even like after a bad workout or if you're just frustrated like the last few weeks I've had a niggle with my ankle it's just been really up and down like I don't really know what's going on with it so although I'm able to train it's just nice to really like get away from everything I'm able to go out on my horse for a few hours and just completely get away from running and get away from working and just yeah kind of relax I find it really difficult I think that's probably one of my downfalls to just sit and do nothing but yeah having that hobby just allows me to do that so yeah I think it's an important part of who I am and my performance so yeah do you find it difficult balancing work and running or do you think you've kind of got that sorted now uh, so previously I was working really long hours and yeah it was impossible to balance I was kind of just not sleeping because I was like I need to run I need to work and I was working about 60 hour weeks and commuting an hour and a half each way five days a week and it just made it impossible I was up at four every morning I didn't get home till about 10 so naturally I just was like it's going to have to be the sleep that goes which isn't ideal when you're trying to perform which yeah that ended up with quite bad fatigue which and that at that point I was like if I want to try and make the Olympics I need to either completely commit to it and yeah make that decision or I'm gonna have to just call it and not aim for that goal so yeah back in I think it was March last year it's been almost yeah it's been just over a year I relocated to Norfolk and went part-time so dropped from 60 hours down to I'm currently working 20 hours which yeah, it's just really nice. I'm able to get that balance now. So like Fridays isn't a struggle anymore. I'm able to get up and focus on the big training day instead of having to get up at four, just get out the door, get the training done without really properly preparing for it. So yeah, I think now I've got that work-life balance a lot better. I don't know how anyone focuses on the Olympics when they're trying to work full-time as well. Yeah, I don't know how I did it. Looking back now, like even when I have to have an early morning before work at the moment I'm just like how did I do this every day like for a year I don't, I don't know how I did it looking back but I guess you just do it you have to do what you have to do so yeah yeah do you feel like when you see other athletes that are professional athletes and they're getting to train at altitude and things like that do you do you feel like you'd like that opportunity sometime to to actually really focus on it and go and train at altitude and be yeah. professional 
yeah definitely I think it is hard having to work as well and not being able to be professional at the moment at least it's just hard to get that I guess they've got that advantage they've always got that advantage of they're fully focused on the athletics and if they want something else that to focus on and distract them they can whereas athletes like myself we have to work to fund the athletics as well so yeah it's difficult but yeah we're making it work so I'm thankful for the team around me that do help me and have relieved a bit of that work that I was doing which is yeah really helpful yeah and hopefully with all the success you're having you may you may in sometime in your career get that opportunity to to be fully sponsored and yeah hopefully it'd just be nice to have that focus and see what I can really do yeah. without having to try and balance everything else yeah I think most of training is trying to balance life isn't it and you know you have to keep healthy and you have to keep rested and so the least distractions you can have the better exactly and I think that is where I downfall so like I know I get all the training in but then because I'm trying to balance everything else I don't get the rest and recovery that a professional athlete is getting so I think that is the biggest advantage of being fully professional so it would be nice to give that a go at some point yeah yeah the rest is always the thing that that goes out the window doesn't it and you try and fit in all the miles exactly I think it's very underrated so yeah I need to place a better emphasis on that I'm really looking forward to seeing what's what's going to come next and thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us and tell us all about your career so far um is there any where can our listeners find you on social media if they want to follow you uh, my main or my the thing that I really use the most is Instagram so it's just natasha.cochram I am on Twitter and Facebook but I don't really use it all that much so yeah Instagram's probably the best way to find me excellent um well, thank you so much for talking to us that's been really interesting and I really can't wait to see what the future holds for you maybe no, you'll thank come you. back on again um once you're an Olympian <laughs> hopefully hopefully 2024 yeah I, I have every faith you will be <laughs> <laughs> thank you thanks a lot thank you Thank you.